Think about that, that picture up there, and there's two different directions you can go. Excellence or mediocrity. I felt like I should say it like that. Mediocrity. Uh, find Philippians chapter 3, by the way. And let's bring a little bit more light if somebody could help us out with that. Just in those, I want you to be able to see your Bible um, and uh, be able to, to plug in here. Now, we're probably going to have several verses that we're going to look at today. So please get them down and, uh, and, and be ready to, uh, to, to meditate on them later and uh, to concentrate on that. But the thing is, 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 is wouldn't you agree that God, um, that he deserves our best? Huh? He gave his best for us. God deserves our best. In fact, uh, as I get into the scripture, I find out that he not only deserves our best, he actually demands our best. And yeah, and, and rightfully so. Rightfully so. He should. Um, but uh, the thing that goes along with this is that, um, I don't know, I, I've really been struggling with this, y'all. Because with everything going on, it's just kind of sucked me down into a uh, uh, I don't know, it, it, it kind of a rut. I don't know what, I don't know, but, but it has been difficult. Um, and it's just, you know, that's the thing. And, and this is, I'm just sharing with you, I don't get the idea that I think I've got this down and I'm just going to enlighten you. No, no, no. Uh, I'm telling you that I am letting my struggle and I'm letting the things that the Holy Spirit is convicting me about that is not just about me, but ministry is coming out of overflow. And so I'm going to let it spill over on you, okay? All right? So I think this is what the Holy Spirit's wanting to do is to motivate us, and he's going to do it through his word. All right? So um, I've got a lot of, of decisions to make. So here's what God, he's calling us to strive for excellence. Okay, striving. Yeah, that word is, that's, that's kind of a tough word, isn't it? Striving. What do you picture when you, when you hear that word or when you think about that word? You think of somebody that's trying to like climb a hill, somebody that's really exerting everything? Because the neat thing is, is that for us to be what God wants us to be, are you still with me? God is going to supply that. I mean, it's not just up to me to just, I can't do it on my own. Neither can you. But there's a part of it that's on me. There's a part of it that involves decisions that I have to make, discipline that I need to have. He created me in his image, and part of being created in his image is he gave me, he gave you a will. We make choices every day, all day. We make choices. And so as I submit my will to his will and I discipline myself to make the choices he wants me to make, I find that he supplies what I need to not just get by. Because I think that's it. I think a lot of times we're just holding on. We're just getting by. You know? We're just tolerable. Sister Pauline, I always remember, I quote Brother Lowell Skinner so much. You know? Uh, at least some of what he said. Maybe not all of it. But, you know, uh, I'd say, uh, Lowell, how you doing today? He'd say, tolerable, tolerable. And, uh, you know, and he's the first one to ever define for me what tolerable, tolerable means. He said, that means that I feel good enough to eat, but not good enough to work, right? <laughs> and so that's the way a lot of us probably are. We're just tolerable. But God wants us to have excellence 
And I want that. I want that. So we tend to settle. And, and you know, he makes available whatever we need, not just to survive, but to thrive, even in undesirable circumstances. Don't get the idea that God wants to engineer it so that everything just goes right the way you want it to go. No, no. This means that even when things are bad, when things are tough, and in undesirable, difficult, bad circumstances, he wants to help us to excel during that, okay? So I'm already praying a prayer of, oh God, help me and forgive me, amen? All right, so every day we've got to decide which path we're going to take. Now, before we read in Philippians 3 something that Paul said, I want to just take you to something that he said in Colossians chapter 3, okay? In Colossians chapter 3, verse 23, he said, whatever you do. Now, you've got to understand in this context, he's talking to husbands and wives and masters and and bond servants. Now, bond servants, some translations translate that as slaves, but bond servants were different than what we had in America as slaves, where people treated other people like property and like animals and stuff like that. Bond servants was a whole different thing. But he's talking to bond servants in which, in the Roman Empire, this is basically like somebody who was an employee or you serve someone, but um, he's talking to them, and he's telling them, don't just do what's right because when, you, when your master's looking at you, do what's right all the time. All right, let me get back on that verse there. Whatever you do, he says, work heartily. Now, that word heartily means with everything you have. That means to strive. Are you with me? Okay. As for the Lord and not for men. Not, you're not just doing it for what people see, uh, but you're doing it for the Lord and what he knows and what he sees. He says, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. Do you think about it that way when you're putting up all the hassles at work, you know, when you're there dealing with people that are difficult, you know, whenever you're out there working the land and things are tearing up and breaking down. And, and we all know how, we've been talking this morning, how the devil gets into electronics and all kinds of crazy things are happening. But I also know, even if we didn't have them and we just rely on animals, the devil gets into animals too, doesn't he? Yeah, you know what I'm saying? I almost will tell you, I get into the horses all the time. And growing up with horses and cows and every other animal, I know, I know that, you know, the devil get into the cows at times, right? I've seen it. Have you ever seen that? You seen that? Yeah, Zach's saying, yeah, I've seen it. You see that, that wild-eyed heifer, this lady, you know the devil's in there, and she's about to just go through every fence uh, and, and no telling what's going to happen. I've seen it. Uh, and we know that one story where Jesus cast the devil out into the pigs, right? And we, we yeah, okay. So anyway, you know, <laughs> the enemy is, is at work, and, and things are going to be difficult at times in our life. Uh, but um, he wants us to strive. He wants us to have discipline. He wants us to work hard, not just when people are watching, but knowing that the Lord is there. So he wants, uh, he wants us to do our best, what I'm trying to say there. Now, in Philippians chapter 3, Paul goes on to say this. <clears throat> he has been talking, if you're in the context there, about his past. And it's really some of his hang-ups and stuff like that that he had in his life, okay? Some of his hang-ups that he had. Um, and some of the good things and some of the bad things. But, you know, you can be hung up over, you know, good things as well as bad things. But here's the whole deal. He says, I'm going to forget. I'm going to disregard those things that are in my past. I'm not going to let them hold me back. And here's what he says in verse 14 of Philippians 3. I press on. Do you see that whole idea of striving right there and pressing on? I press on to the goal, toward the goal. Do you know if there's a goal? You know, he has a goal for us. 
You know, that inheritance that he talked about in the other verse in Colossians, that inheritance that's forever, there's a goal, he says, for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. He's ever calling us upward, upward, upward. There's a goal. What's the goal in our life? What's the goal of us even doing any of this? What is the whole point of it all? The upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And then he said, let those of us who are mature. Now, sometimes the old translation would say perfect. The word doesn't mean you're perfect. The word actually has to do with a perfecting work that's going on in us. And it has to do with growing and being mature, right? Okay, so we hope to be perfect someday when we're with him right now. He's talking about literally those who are mature think this way. And then he's kind of like, even if you don't think this way, he says, God, if you're trying to do this, God will reveal to you. In other words, Paul says, what I'm telling you is the truth. Even if you don't agree, if you keep seeking God, God himself will make sure you get this. Is, are we letting God get this through to us? That if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Let, let them think this way, he says. Did you notice he says, let them think this way? And Nathan's already shared to us, with us about, even in the, the Financial Peace University and, and the, the small groups we're going to do there, God wants to change our thinking. And he has to change our thinking before he changes our practice. Yeah? Uh, a part of being mature, Paul is saying, is allowing God to control our thinking, changing the way we think. Folks, there's a battleground today. There's a battle going on. It may not be where you think it is. We see battles going on all over this world, in, the, in our country especially, like we haven't seen in a long time. But the battleground I'm talking about is a battleground in our own mind. I say mind because it's, 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 it's not just your brain, your gray matter. It's, it's the soul, right? We're created differently than the animals God made human beings as living souls in his image. We have mind, will, and emotion. We have these things. And it's deep down in there. It's where the enemy is at war. How you think will determine how you believe and how you act. Do you agree? Because that's true. How you think is going to determine what you believe and how you act. It's more than just how you and I feel about things. People got all these feelings coming out today. And now your feelings that you ought to be filtering through your heart and your mind and the Word of God comes right out your fingertips before it gets any of that right there. And it travels at the speed of light on social media today. And it's not good, most of it. So emotions are not what we're talking about here. Emotions are tricky. And they are fickle. Because I might feel strongly about something one way at one time and then feel a totally different way at another time depending on what mood you catch me in. Go ahead and say amen. You've seen it. I can't let emotion control my mind. And that's kind of the way we're wired from the beginning when we're babies. We feel hungry, so we get angry. And we can pretty quick figure out we can control people. Hmm? You don't have to teach that to a baby. 
And, and what can happen is the natural person we've, we know is corrupted because of sin. We inherited from Adam and Eve that our DNA is corrupted by sin and that you don't have to teach us to be selfish. You don't have to teach us to be acting off of emotion. It's what naturally we will do when we just follow the flesh, follow, follow that natural person, that fleshly nature. But God created us with an ability to choose. Instead, emotions and feelings, God wants them to be filtered through the mind and the will. So we don't have to act and to speak and to type or to whatever based on emotion. God wants to reprogram our minds. And that's part of what's involved when he saves our soul. Did you know that? It involves, listen to me, your soul, mind, the way you think, your will, the decisions you make, and then how your emotions are controlled. Now, you know, I used to have such a horrible temper. I say used to. It's still there. It's just, you know, is it under the Holy Spirit's control or is it under my control? God wants to level us off because we've all got areas where we're out. I said this last week. I don't know why it keeps coming up out of whack. You know, we need the Holy Spirit to just whack us upside the whatever. Anyway, uh, but it's what's involved with, see, our soul, that's the real you. See, when I'm looking at you, I just see the physical you. But the real you is, is you are a living soul. The real you is on the inside looking back at me. And so the real you is your soul that is on the inside made up of mind, will, and emotion. And once you're saved, God begins the process of renewing all these things. When you come to Christ and when he redeems you and you receive that uh, uh, based on your faith in what he's done. It, and and this, this process, after we're saved of him renewing all of this, has a name. Did you know that? It has like a name, a theological name. It's called sanctification. It means he's setting you apart and making you more like Christ. It's where our minds, wills, and emotions are controlled now more by the Spirit of God, instructed and guided by the Word of God, than they are by our own desires from our flesh. So people today, for the most part, it seems like, are thinking, believing, and acting based on emotion and feeling rather than on solid conviction, which is based on truth. That's what's happening. And this goes for, you know, there are people who just believe everything they hear and see in the media. And they, they, they're just all, yeah. Um, and then, on the other hand, there are those who don't believe any of it and distrust all authority. But yet we grab onto every conspiracy theory that comes along. And we have to be careful with all of that if we don't know really all the facts because it's like I've got this secret truth that no one else knows. And, um, and, and they get very, very emotional about the hidden truth that I have discovered that no one else knows. And so, so half the time, I don't even know what's going on, but I know what this says. And it's whatever's going on. I want to use this, and I want the Holy Spirit to guide me, and I want to sift everything through the Scripture so that I think the right things, even if I don't know what all everybody's doing, and so that then I act and so that then I believe in the right way based on this, not based on what's all going on out there and what everybody else is doing, right? I know there's a lot of bad things happening in our world, and there's times we need to make a stand. But if I'm really going to make a stand, it's not because you're posting something to make yourself be like, oh, you're really somebody who, who is awake and cares. It's like, if you see that there's some kind of problem, why don't you find somebody that you can help? 
You know what I'm saying? You come from a bad neighborhood, find somebody in that neighborhood and you, you invest some money and some time in them personally. And there's some things, you know what I'm saying? It's like it's easy to blog about stuff. It's easy to post stuff. It's different whenever your life makes a difference. See, we got a lot of people running their mouths in our country, and it's easy to say stuff, but it's another thing if you do things that help other people and build up people instead of all this tearing down. So it makes me, when I take that to the Word of God, see all all the tearing down of so many things, the Holy Spirit's going to build up, not tear down. I mean, he's going to tear down and destroy the works of the enemy. But what I'm saying is, is people's lives. And so God wants to turn things around in our whole society, but it's got to start right here in not just my own family. It's got to start in my own mind, my own heart, my own soul. See? It's easy to look at everybody else and all their problems. There's another thing for right here. But this is what's going on today. Uh, and for us, here's what's happening. You know, like with this new day, I mean, who would have thought even still a year ago that we would be here almost into September, almost to Labor Day, and um, we still have all, all the, you know, stadiums and arenas are empty and everything's still, you know, we're trying our best, we're, we're struggling with different things. I mean, it's, it's, uh, who would have thought even one year ago that right now things would be like they are right now? Nobody did. Nobody really even thought that could happen. And, and here's the thing. Yeah, things could get worse, you know. So, so there's that encouragement. But, but uh, what I'm seeing is, is it's not so much just fear. At first it was unknown, you know, what's going on here. And it was fear and people reacting and, and things like that. Uh, but now it's not so much just like fear. It's frustration and discouragement. That's what's really taking up. See what I'm saying? Fear is giving way in our society, not just in America. It's not just happening here. It's actually worth, worth a lot of places. You know, I've been praying for some of our, our pastors and churches in Central America. There are some of these countries that don't operate like we do, you know, they have more of a totalitarian system. And that for churches to reopen, you know, it's a little different than it is here, that the government not only has to come in and inspect for sanitation, but they're inspecting for other things, and so the government will find other safety issues that have nothing to do with the virus, and they are keeping churches shut down because of that, and it's, it's a tool the enemy's using. So, hey, praise God, we've got it a lot better than that here, don't we? Why aren't we taking advantage of it better than what we are? Why do we take everything for granted so much? But uh, no one really imagined things would be kind of like they are. But I see that, that frustration. And, and there's been not just a virus, but there's been everything that's come along with it, good, bad, and ugly, right, wrong, whatever. It's the disruption of lives that has really caused. It's not just the fear of getting sick and dying. It's the disruption of lives. And that includes every industry and every activity, not just at church, but everywhere, Right? It's just been everywhere. And so this is giving way to frustration and despair. You see that all around nowadays, trying to have school, trying to have college, and there's frustration and there's despair and defeat. And, you know, there's something in us that says, I just want to give up, right? And people are just saying, you know, just, you know what, forget it. I'm just going to crawl in a hole somewhere and whatever, you know. Uh, so that's happening today. And, but the thing is, is God's still calling us to excellence and not to give up or just get by, not just mediocrity, okay? Not just that. So mediocrity, I want you to think about that. Mediocrity, what are we talking about? Here's what it is. 
oh, let's get a little, if we're going to talk about a word, let's see what that word means, right? You know, one of these guys, you know, they throw words around, but we have no idea what they mean. All right, uh, mediocre. Mediocrity comes from the word, it's the lifestyle of one who is mediocre. And you've heard people say that. It actually comes from the Latin, mediocris, which is made up of two words, medius, which means middle, and ocris, which is a peak. So it's someone whose peak is in the middle, right? And you never, you never excel. You may not be just totally giving up, but you're just, you know, you're just hanging in there, right? Uh, so uh, it means that you never rise above average. You are adequate, but just barely. Never rise above average. I feel like that that's what we think success is, is just being average. I want to tell you, I know God hasn't called us to be average. God has called us to excellence. But most of us, when we come to that crossroads of excellence or mediocrity, we end up looking more like this. Can you see that? What that? We're just on good enough road. Good enough road. Good enough. Good enough. We settle for good enough when God's looking down saying good enough is not good enough. Amen? Yeah, I was impressed. My brother's business on the back of their T-shirts, they had this saying, good enough is not good enough. And uh, because so many people just, well, it's just good enough. Good enough to get by. I don't think that God wants us just to be on good enough road, just doing enough to just survive and get by. He's called us to excellence. And that's something I feel him convicting me about all the time. You know what uh, Jesus said about those that aren't hot and aren't cold. Right? I mean, because it's like, well, hey, at least I'm good enough. At least I'm not like on the bad road. But God says, no, that's not good enough. Remember what Jesus said to those who weren't hot and weren't cold? Remember that? uh, Revelation chapter 3, verse 16. Okay, that's the first drop. (laughs) He says, so because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. It's just you're, just, you're just nauseatingly tepid. If you was cold, at least you would feel something. Um, just average. Listen, Jesus didn't come and die on the cross for our sins and rise from the dead to produce average. He's victorious over death. He's victorious over hell. He's victorious over the grave. He is all powerful. He is reigning on high and he's soon going to come back and he's telling us to follow him. He has not empowered us to slump but to soar. I know somebody's thinking right now, not that I can read your mind, I just know you're probably a lot like me, which says something that needs work done on us here. Yeah, It's not good. Saying, well, I know, I know. But it is hard to soar with the eagles when you're living with and working with all these turkeys. Right? That's what somebody's thinking out there. Well, Swindoll in his book, Above the Level, Living Above Mediocrity, he says this, quote, Soaring never just happens. It's a result of a strong mental effort, clearly thinking, courageous, or thinking clearly, courageously, confidently. No one ever oozed his way out of mediocrity like a lazy slug. Everyone I know who models a high level of excellence has won the battle of the mind and taken the right thoughts captive. The risk notwithstanding, these individuals have chosen to fill the role of an active pen flowing with ink rather than a passive blotter that only sets, up, sets and soaks up what others do. They've decided to get personally involved with life rather than sit back 
frown and watch life dwindle to a trickle and ultimately stagnate. Because the problem is this, end quote, we've done this in our personal lives, we've done this in our family, we've done this in business, and we've done this in our spiritual life. God gave his best for us, and, and all we can muster up is just good enough. Um, those who aim high learn to, and we have to learn to trust God, and we have to learn not to be overcome by negativism and that surrounds us. We've got to believe, we've got to trust We've got to confront this in our lives, the mediocrity. And it begins in our mind uh, because that's the seed plot of possibilities is our mind. When you come to Christ, you've got to surrender all to him, not just your heart, but everything that goes with it, including your mind. Christians should be the most progressive and positive people on the planet, but oftentimes we're the most negative people on the planet. Do you know what Paul said? Remember, I've been saying this. Let's just, Paul said it this way in Romans 8, 32. Talking, he says, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he, will he not also with him graciously give us all things? That is, if God went to the trouble to give up his own son just to save you, don't you think once he saves you, he's going to, out of that grace, give you everything you need to be victorious and to excel, of course. So the battle starts in the mind. It starts in the mind. And so let's look at this battle for the mind. How do we overcome that? Well, the first thing we need to do, there are a lot of things, but I'm just going to throw a few at you, is to acknowledge that you become what you think. Can we at least start there? Okay. Yes. I will take a blank stare as a yes. Okay? I'm doing that today. Yeah, it's a decision that I just made in my mind. And in my, Okay, anyway. <laughs> Okay, so our thinking is so important. Even our salvation, listen, even your salvation begins with, I mean, it begins with God drawing us and convicting us, but it begins with, you don't get saved, God, until you make a decision. God gives you that ability. He's not going to force you. He's going to draw you. He's going to convict you. He's going to call you. But at some point, you make a conscious decision to admit that you're a sinner, to turn from that, and to put your faith in Jesus Christ and the price that he paid on the cross and the power of his resurrection. You must, no one can make that decision for you. You make a conscious decision. Why don't you make it right now? You can make it right now. You can right now, even while you're hearing this, you can make that decision and you can be saved right now. But it's a decision that only you can make. It is a God-given right that he's given you that you make that decision. So even salvation starts in that area of making a decision, making a choice. And so it's so important. And also, why is it so important is um, you realize we do become, we act out what we take in. Uh, in other words, we become what we think. In Proverbs, so many thousands of years ago, he says this in Proverbs 23, 7, for as he thinks in his heart, so is he. You are a product of the way you've been thinking through the years. If we're going to do what's right, we've got to think right. We've got to program our minds with the right information that will set us free Free to be what God wants us to be. Remember the early days of computer, they used to have this saying, garbage in, garbage out. 
I mean, even no matter what a computer does, even, even if it's artificial intelligence, somebody has to program in it what to do and what information to gather and the calculations to make based on that. So it's, it's what we take in. And you think about all the stuff. The problem is today, we're taking in so much bad stuff. We're taking in so much negative stuff. We're taking in so much false stuff. And we're taking in so little truth. I mean, I mean, and this is part of the whole thing. And, you know, even in, and we, we still haven't given up on Sunday school. And this whole thing, and, and a lot of our literature has changed. And some of you are seeing that. It's, it's called D6 Every Day at Deuteronomy 6 that we talk about these things. We, we don't just have this at church. It's trying its best to set things up so that we have tools to take it home and have something to talk about, something to do every day, every day. Too many people look at church as just something that I go and I do and I'm done and somehow it makes me feel like I've done my duty to God. And the truth is we come together is to assemble ourselves together and for the fellowship and worship of God that we need to have while we're together, but then to equip us to go out and to be more than conquerors in that daily life that gets so mundane and frustrating and complicated. That's, that's part of it, and so that we can go out and be a light to the rest of the world. All right, so it's got to start there by acknowledging that we do become what we think. And some of us have been in unbiblical, wrong thought patterns all of our life. We were told wrong when we were kids. People said wrong, untrue things about you, and you've believed them more than you believe what the Word of God says. And because of that, you've just accepted defeat and just said, well, I'm just no good. God says, I think you're a lot of good. You say, well, I'm just, as we say around here, I'm just no count. <laughs> yeah. I remember, you know, it was one of, one of the California people that's moved in here. Someone said that, said, no count. Count what? What are you counting? And I'm like, okay, let me explain our language to you a little bit here. It comes from account, that it is of no account. That means it's, is it, it's not very valuable. And so we just shortened to say no count. It's no count. Somebody tell you you're no count. Somebody tell you you're not valuable. Somebody tell you, listen, I don't care. God says you're so valuable that he gave his son to die for you. Are you going to believe God or not? You have a choice to make. Not an emotional feeling to go off of, but a choice to make based on do you believe another choice that this is the truth of God. If you believe that, then why don't you believe what he says about you? Okay, yeah, let's keep going. So you might say, well, yeah, uh-huh, I get it. Uh, but, uh, well, I struggle because that's just not the way I'm wired, okay? Here's the next thing, is that we need to allow God to transform our thinking. I'm not wired correctly because I was born messed up by a sinful nature. How about you? Yeah, the Bible says we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. So we all have these mental things. We all have, our, we all have these things to overcome. We will need God to rewire our thinking, okay? And you know the verse that we go to all the time on that in Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Remember what Paul said in Romans 12, 2? Do not be conformed to this world. Be transformed, transformed by the renewal of what? Of your mind. That by testing, see now once this has happened, I'm going to have this ability that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Now I'm going to be able to do that now because of what God's doing. Now what's neat to me is, is that I believe every word's inspired in the original language that is, uh, but that word translated transform, be transformed. It's the Greek word metamorpho. We get the word metamorphosis from it. And so I think about the caterpillar, you know, that is totally metamorphosis. 
metamorphosize as it goes into that cocoon and comes out a butterfly. God says, that's just as much change. That's what I'm wanting to do as I renew and remake your mind. I'm going to metamorphosize your mind. And we've talked about this before, haven't we? We talk about it a lot because it is so true. You know, they even have ability to just scan the brain now and see the connections, the parts of the brain that are firing. And, you know, even these athletes like golf. Golf has got to be one of the most frustrating things in the whole world. I mean, I don't play a lot. Uh, I would like to like it, and I do just well enough that it kind of like, okay, i got to do that again. And then, and then, and then um, it's like, you know, you tell yourself you know exactly what to do in the right form, and then you don't do it. It's like, why did I do it? You've heard me say that many times, haven't you, Curtis? Like, why did I do it? It's not at all what I was thinking. Uh, but, but see, my thinking is all messed up when it comes to the motor skills. And then they watch the golfers that the parts of the brain that controls all the movement and everything as they practice and get repetitive, repetitive, that part, they, the, the, the brain fires stronger and stronger. And they're building more connections to the part of the brain that controls those motions and things like that. Well, here's our problem is that in our brains, there are parts of our brains that we're connected to bad stuff. But as you let God rewire your brain, you can actually see the connections when you, you know, use it or lose it. When you stop indulging in whatever that is, whether it's lust or whether it's pornography, whether it's greed, whether it's pride, whether it's whatever, that the connections do get smaller in your brain. And as you're connecting in more positive areas of your thinking, that the connections get stronger. So it, they can actually have biological proof of how God does rewire our thinking and our brains. All right? I need this. I need this. Here's the problem. We're feeding the wrong things all week long. And then we just get a little bit of God's truth on Sunday. And we wonder why things aren't changing. See, we just want somebody to say a magic prayer. Well, you know, we need to be praying. But God says it's, it's the habits that you take out of here and the discipline that you have to submit yourself to my way of thinking versus everything else. So some people say, well, I'm just disadvantaged. And, well, I just have been told these things as a kid and all of this. And that's just the way I am. I just can't do it. I'm made for mediocrity. And I've just learned to live with it. There's a Greek word for that, too. Hogwash. I just made that up. <laughs> Your attitude is showing. See, you, you, you've managed to think your way out of the very things that God wants you to enjoy. And so no wonder transformation is on hold, all right? Let's get to the bottom of this right here, okay? So he tells us, he says, don't be conformed to this world. And as we're battling for the mind, we so acknowledge you become what you think, allow God to transform your thinking, but also an awareness of the enemy. Now, I'm just going to go through a little bit of this. We're going to come back to it. We're going to come back to it in the weeks ahead, okay? So put a, put a marker in it, okay? So we can document in Scripture Satan's scheming uh, efforts. So it's not just that I'm born messed up by sin. Hey, I'm about done. Hang in there, guys. Come on. All right. <laughs> All right. Here we go. Uh, it, 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 is, it is also the fact that there is an enemy that is at work using every tool he can get his hands on to battle for your mind. All right, let's document it. Shall we? Shall we? Let's do it. Here we go. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, where Paul says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might, because my might, not so good. He says, put on the whole armor of God. You know that scripture, don't you? He says that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. The old translation says the wiles of the devil. We don't use that word a lot anymore. He was the original wile-e devil. <laughs> 
Remember Wild E. Coyote? <laughs> I don't know. That's just what I think of when I think wiles. <laughs> How many of you? Okay, never mind. Uh, but that word schemes that, that is translated there, it's actually the Greek word methodia. That, in other words, against the methods, the schemes, the, 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 the plans that Satan has, and the strategies he has. Did you know he has a well-thought-out strategy to use against you? Did you know that? And he said that, that, that we need this armor so we can stand against that. So the battle is on. And notice in verse 12 of Ephesians 6, with whom the battle is. It is not with flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. It's talking about Satan in the whole demonic realm, all right? And then in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 10, he gives us this information. And he's talking about forgiving someone here. So get that context down. 2 Corinthians 10, he says, Anyone whom you forgive, I also forgive. What I have forgiven, if I have forgiven anything, has been for your sake in the presence of Christ. Listen to this. Why am I forgiving? Because, listen, and when you forgive someone, that is you're offering grace to them and uh, they may not deserve it. If they deserve it, then you owe it to them, and that's not grace, that's payment. So that's the catchy thing about forgiveness. It's grace. They won't deserve it. He says, um, this is so important. He says, I'm going to forgive too, if you've forgiven them, because there were some problems going on in that church. So he says, the reason why forgiveness is so important, so that we would not be outwitted by Satan to be tricked by Satan. He says, for we are not ignorant of his designs. And that word translated designs there is a word or devices in some, his devices, some translations translate it that way. It's from a Greek word that has its root in the mind or in the thoughts. It's a mind-oriented strategy that he has to cause us to have unforgiveness and bitterness. In other words, he's saying Satan plays mind games all the time. And if we're not clued into it, he's going to win. And hold us down and we'll never excel. All right. Here's what he wants to do. And over next another chapter or so in 2 Corinthians 4, he says, talking about people who are unbelievers, he says, in their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. He said Satan is actively working to blind people's minds so they live in darkness and they can't even see the light of the truth. Did you know that you can refuse to see and you can refuse to hear to the point that you can't see and you can't hear? That's what Satan wants. There are people out there, he wants them to never understand. He wants them to stay in darkness. But praise God, we can turn from darkness to light. Amen? All right, and then we're not even going to go to 2 Corinthians 10 where he talks about taking every thought captive and all of that. We'll come back to it sometime, okay? Right? That means let's wrap this up. Do it. Let's do it right here. Okay, so the thing is, we're going to acknowledge that we become what we think, allow God to transform our thinking, be aware of the enemy and the victory we have over him, amen? But also understand that faith takes shape in your mind. It does. So what I'm saying and what the Word of God is, what I'm saying the Word of God is saying is how you think is what God wants to begin to transform. Don't go off of how you feel. I want to take my feelings and I want to sift them through my mind, and my mind be controlled by the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. It needs to be sifted through the Word of God because I feel wrong about things a lot, all right? Now, not that emotions are not important, and it's not that God doesn't use them because he does, but right thinking leads to right action or else you're not really thinking right. 
Do I need to make that sound better? I don't know. If we're thinking right and letting God transform our thinking, it's going to affect our behavior and what we do. If it is not, then we really are not thinking in God's way. Nothing's really learned until it is applied to our lives. And I think that's why we've got to saturate ourselves with the Word of God. That's why we need to be in Bible studies. That's why we need to be soaking this in. I need this every day. It's my spiritual food. I, I like to start the day in the Word of God, not just preparing a sermon or a lesson, but just in there learning. And, 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 and then, so I start with the Word and then try to live in that Word all day. It's just like you eat breakfast. You know, they say breakfast is one of the most important meals of the day. But you know what? When you take food in, your body has to digest it. It breaks it down and all the different components that your body needs. Needs. And hey, I read the other day that 20% of our diet needs to be fat. That's what it says. Problem is, a lot of times it's like 40 or 50%. But anyway, you know, that, that you don't ever have any fat, you, you're not going to be healthy. But anyway, so there's all these other nutrients and, and different things that if your body doesn't absorb it, then the food will do you no good and you'll begin to waste away. Spiritually, same thing. If you take this in, if it's not absorbed into your soul and in your mind and your will and your emotions and every part of you, then it's doing you no good. We have to digest it. And so it's not how many times you go through the Bible. The question is how many times the Bible going through you. Sometimes we're just interested in information. God is interested in transformation. So our mind, soul must be continually fed by the Word of God. There's no other way that we're going to overcome this battle in the mind and rise up when everything else is pushing us down. And when all kinds of barriers come up, all kinds of obstacles come up, all kinds of hindrances come up, God's saying, I know. And I'm going to help you rise up and excel and not just settle. Not just settle. God, help us not to settle. Help us to rise up. And that's everywhere we are, at home, in our finances, in our marriages, in our relationships, in our work. And it all comes from in our relationship with the Lord, in our witness that we will rise up. And he's calling us to excellence, not just good enough to get by. Pray with me.